0: Welcome to
1: Policy Today, thoughtful discussion of current issues vital to the future prosperity of Washington State. Produced by the Washington Research Council.
2: Hello, and welcome to the Common Ground podcast from the Washington Research Council. I'm This is Mary Strau. I'm joined today by my partner in crime, Randy Abrams Karras. Hello. Hello. And today we have a special guest, State Representative Roger Goodman from the 45th Legislative District. Yes, hello. Hello. Representative Goodman is chairman of the House Public Safety Committee. That's right. He also sits on the Judiciary Committee and the Environment Committee. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, The reason you're here today is to talk about it's usually an issue the Research Council doesn't cover, but it's very pertinent for this podcast because we're talking about what happens on the House Public Safety Committee and your approach to getting things done, which is a collaborative effort Mm -hmm. on a variety of issues. So I'm just going to open it up to you to sort of give an introduction of what you do and what your approach is to policy. Yeah,
1: I thought, thanks very much, by the way, for having me. This is a great opportunity. Um, When I first was elected a decade ago, I can't believe I'm that old. Wow. um, uh, We, uh, all of us, the new members, 13 of us, Republicans and Democrats together, gathered for three days for an orientation class. What's it like to be a legislator? and i have politics in my blood my dad was a political science professor and you know that's sort of i was destined for this <laughs> and i always thought politics was about compromise uh you know you, this is your position this is my position and we'll meet somewhere in the middle mm-hmm. and it was bill house who oh. gathered us together he has a institute both wsu and uw uh, right. joined together and it was a very intensive program and he taught us about collaboration, which mm-hmm. you, know, you know what collaboration is, but I, we never, I never really thought about it uh, rigorously enough. And uh, the, the metaphor is get everybody on the airplane. And so while you're on the airplane, there's different people, and we disagree with each other, and you have a few meals, and you establish a relationship, uh, and you solve problems, uh, establishing a sense of trust and, and reciprocity. And when the airplane is about to land, maybe you have to make some compromises. Uh, but there's nobody down on the tarmac saying, hey, what about me? You know, you know, mm-hmm. Everybody was on the airplane. Mm-hmm. And I really like that metaphor. So when I first arrived in the legislature, uh, I'm one of the few lawyers, first of all, uh, and one of the very few members who cares about or knows about criminal justice. Mm-hmm. And so I'm now chair of the Public Safety Committee and mm-hmm. been doing criminal justice since the beginning. And I asked the question, where's the harm out there? And statistically, mm. like a, a physical harm—who's getting hurt—and it's drunk driving and domestic violence. Mm. Uh, that's that's where people are getting hurt. And so I decided from the very beginning, let's—you know—I want to sort of maximize my limited time in the legislature, and let's uh, see if we can crack down on domestic violence and uh, drunk driving. So what I did is I put out the call and said, any of you interested? Uh, two separate groups, informal uh, working groups. Uh, And dozens of people uh, came out of the woodwork and sat around huge uh, tables, uh, a lot of players in the criminal justice system, uh, uh, prosecutors, defense attorneys, judges, victims of crime, Mm -hmm. advocates, uh, treatment programs, you name it. Uh, And uh, again, we sort of had a few meetings where people vented for a while, Mm. didn't necessarily accomplish very much, but that's important. Right. To get people to feel better so that they have a chance to say what they want to say, and for others to, to listen. And so but then we have a long to-do list um, because you know domestic violence and, and drunk driving are chronic social problems. And that to-do list turns into a bill because we go item by item some of the items are just too difficult we're not going to you know so we put it aside
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then a bill develops and the to-do list is shrinks and the and the number of sections of the bill grows and when the bill is introduced and when it comes before the legislature everybody who was sitting around the table has bought into the process there was some compromise mm-hmm. and yet they all testify in favor of the bill and the mm-hmm. bill flies through the system mm-hmm. in a bipartisan fashion and So that's what I've been doing from the very beginning. So as a result, just in these two examples, uh, we have reduced uh, uh, deaths and serious injuries from drunk driving in half in this state in the last five to six years. We are leading the nation uh, in reducing deaths from drunk driving.
2: That's something.
1: Uh, And domestic violence, we have also reduced by half the number of deaths from intimate partner homicide. Um, we've given police better instructions on how to show up at the scene, and uh, courts much more information about who's really the perpetrator and who's the victim. And mm. It's uh, you know it's very it's complicated, uh, but that sort of set a template for me and for many many other issues. I've decided to put out the call mm-hmm. for a, a, you know a policy matter that maybe the public doesn't even know about, mm-hmm. and the the policy wonks kind of gather around the table. And we figure it out. So I've done. Uh, I'm sort of notorious for these uh, stakeholder working groups, which is a <laughs> lot of work. I mean, it's hours and hours. You know, and the staff is there with me, uh, and I listen to the ideas uh, from from the experts. I'm not the expert. They give me all the their expertise, and then we translate it into a bill. Uh, so there's many, many other examples of, of how I've been doing that.
3: So I have a question. Um, have you ever had any surprises? come out of these
1: well I guess um, I'm just trying to think if there have been there's always issues that pop up that's actually whenever you introduce a bill you learn about things that you didn't even know about Mm. Uh, and so um, uh, I guess the the three rules that I use when when bringing people together to solve problems is to be inclusive everybody's welcome to be respectful so you're welcome, but if you're not respectful, sorry, you're out of here. And to be deliberate, as long as it takes, we're going to be mm. deliberate about this. And so a number of these working groups or task forces, or whatever, have lasted years before we finally got something done, but we finally got something done. Yeah. Uh, so there's surprises that come up. Uh, I'm just trying to think of s- s- some examples. Uh, uh, gosh, I mean, we've done a task force on metal theft on the garnishment of people's wages on um, we we're about to do one on police excessive use of force um, a, a number of dui you know impaired driving uh, working groups so yeah there are surprises things we'd never thought about and that's why i kind of consult with the people around the table they're the experts and so they bring up things that we never thought about
2: better to have it happen in the working group than at a hearing for a hastily put-together bill and then it torpedoes the whole yeah, thing, Yeah, right? I mean, you know,
1: a, a legislator will say, hey, this is a good idea, I'm going to introduce, this bi- introduce a bill. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it hasn't been vetted and the, all the various interest groups haven't had a chance to say anything, so they all come to the the hearing mm-hmm. and testify at odds with one another, and the bill's dead at that right. point. It needs work. And, and so, buy-in. And buy-in, mm-hmm. yeah. it's, it's uh, Some of it's sort of, uh, you know, it's it's visceral. It's not necessarily on the on the, the cerebral level. It's, you know, or do people feel like they were heard? And do people feel like they're, you know, uh, trust, trusting each other? And uh, so the process is sometimes more important than the product.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, especially going forward. I mean, it's a long game in the legislature. That's right. It's not mm-hmm. just one bill.
1: So, for instance, I had a working group on uh reorganization of the courts we um, sort of increased and decreased the different jurisdiction levels and and a lot of it was just a court reorganization bill mm. sounds really boring and i guess it is if you take a look at the statute <laughs> uh that's the other thing these mind-numbing statutes are important oh uh, you sure know, somebody has to deal with them yeah and one huge issue is about election of judges should judges be elected Mm -hmm. should they be appointed should there be you know retention elections who's going to appoint them how does all that work and it is so controversial that we put it aside Mm -hmm. and so that's what happens you you uh, develop relationships in the first round of coming up with legislation the big issues are often set aside but then you come back because you've established the relationships at that point. yeah. So you establish a new working group and maybe take on those harder issues. We still haven't figured out the election of judges uh, issue. Um, and that's, that's sort of a long-term issue. Uh, um,
2: how, taking that example, so you, the court reorganization, has there been one piece of legislation out of that or several? Several. Several, uh, so, okay. Well, here's a, and that's from one working
1: From one, group. this was back in 07, I think, or 08, okay gathered people together and uh and that's where i learned actually uh, when doing this sort of boring court reorganization bill that domestic violence is a huge problem mm. and the courts handle it very differently depending where you are
0: oh. so you
1: can go to a municipal court uh i won't name the jurisdictions because i don't want to malign them but mm-hmm. uh, if you're a victim of domestic violence you go to the court and they'll say oh sorry we don't handle that But you can go down the street to the district court, the county court, and you can get a protection order or whatever. And at that point, the victim is so demoralized and already intimidated by the the judicial system that Mm -hmm. they're going to give up. So I thought, well, geez, we need to have uniformity in domestic violence protection in the courts. And we still have not achieved that. Um, and so that's something that we're going to have to continue to work on. It's a, it's a question of resources, really. The courts—it takes a lot to oh, handle sure. domestic oh, yeah. violence. They'd yeah. rather be collecting fines from speeding tickets, mm-hmm. you know. So, um, so no one thing. wants it. Well, the larger courts in the larger jurisdictions that meet every day, uh, yes, you can get protection from domestic violence. But if you're out in the rural areas, it's a, it's a roll of the dice. Sometimes these courts meet once a week. And you don't know what the day is. You know, you're just going to the court to get help, right? So it's sort of, we call it justice by geography. Mm. There's it's a lot of inequities across the state. Not enough access to justice. And not just domestic violence, but other justice issues.
2: How big so. of a problem, you, you said you discovered what a big problem um, domestic violence was how how big of a problem like what we don't know we don't know know. because
1: 95 percent of domestic violence is never reported Mm. it's behind closed doors Mm -hmm. it's embarrassing Mm -hmm. um and uh you know if a victim reports it there could be retaliation right uh and so domestic violence really is uh probably the most chronic social problem that results in physical harm Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's about culture change. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So, uh, like with drunk driving, it used to be, you know, you could gather at the water cooler and, uh, oh yeah, I ended up in a ditch last night, Mm -hmm. haha, that's not funny anymore. Mm -mm. You just don't do it. Right. And with domestic violence, we're getting there. Uh, The culture change hasn't happened yet as much. Uh, We've seen some of these NFL players, you know, get somewhat held accountable, but they still end up playing the game, Mm -hmm. you know, so... That's discouraging. Um, and uh, so domestic violence, and it's also, there are some cross-cultural issues. A lot of new Americans, people from other countries, mm-hmm. are. Uh, so, for instance, in, um, here in uh, Seattle, the Ethiopian community is, is huge. And mm, yeah. there were some very interesting surveys done of uh, Ethiopians of all ages who have come here. And what's it like to be in America? And the men almost uniformly said, I can't beat my wife anymore. And so, uh, you know, it was shocking, you know. And, and the, wom- the women were like, wow, I can get a job. Wow, I can get a divorce. You know, so it was like exactly <laughs> yeah, the opposite. Yeah. So there are major cultural differences uh, with regard to domestic right. violence. And we have to take that into consideration. Like, yeah. what do we do policy wise? And so that means education.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So in the schools, and we're not doing it in the schools, like 10th, 11th grade, we should really be teaching domestic violence, uh, you know, or prevention or whatever. Mm-hmm. We're, and we're not. We don't have the resources mm-hmm. or haven't chosen to devote them. Uh, and then going into certain communities where we know that it's more prevalent. Uh, so that's an, an ongoing challenge is right. the sort of public education on that issue.
2: Uh, what have you been able to accomplish so far in domestic violence? So, that, that was a result of this collaborative yeah, so the, pro- And then maybe also talk about some of the issues you had to work through. I mean, everyone thinks, oh, combating domestic violence. But the issues you had to work through to get to the
1: right. legislation. So I can talk about some of the unresolved issues. Okay. Um, uh, first of all, it's frustrating. We're, you know, We're the state. We're the government. And so the government tends to react to or respond to domestic violence after it's happened.
0: Mm, mm-hmm.
1: Uh, same thing with drunk driving, same thing with all of these offenses that cause harm. And so it's been frustrating to just modify the way police respond at the scene, mm. or what courts do when the people come before them, rather than try to prevent it in the first place. Mm. Although mm-hmm. in the last session we did get a very important bill done, uh, which will get a lot of prevention uh, activities out there, mm. um, but not enough. Yeah. So in terms of our responding to domestic violence as the state um police now will ask uh, they now uh, they used to be uh, instructed to take a look at the criminal record of each person in the household policemen the last thing they want is to show up at a dv domestic violence uh, call to be standing in the middle of two people who are hitting each other hating each oh, other oh sure and so uh, we realized that you don't find out who it's, it's not very useful to know who has a criminal record or whatever, but you want to find out about the relationship between them and the mm. history of that, mm. which is more complicated. Mm-hmm. So we've totally changed police training now mm. so that when they show up at the scene, they ask different questions and are able to determine who really is the perpetrator and who is the victim. So let's say you're a victim of years. of It's not necessarily violence. Domestic violence ends up in violence, but it's, yes. it's a pattern of... Subtle, you know, mm-hmm. abuse and control. Could start
2: with emotional, verbal. Yeah, like, you know, abuse. where are you going,
1: and what are you spending money on, mm-hmm. and who are your friends, and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. And then, <clears throat> if the person doesn't comply, then it can escalate to uh, violence. Yeah. So, um, we we had situations where the victim of years of abuse would she just couldn't take it any longer, fling something at the guy. Mm-hmm. He's mm-hmm. bleeding when the police show up. They arrest her. Yeah. So she you know, can't see her kids, loses her job, oh, is yeah. in jail, yeah, yeah. and she's the victim. It's called the victim-defendant problem, where she would come before the court, and the court didn't have enough information because uh-huh. the police didn't ask the right questions. Okay. And that's the other thing we've done is given courts a lot more information on their computer screen, right there on the bench, uh, where they can see what's really been going on. So we've really reduced this victim-defendant problem. We know who the victim is, and we know who the perpetrator is, and so we can really hold who the perpetrator is. We can hold them accountable. So that's been a major improvement. Um, the big challenge, number of big challenges, treatment programs for domestic violence, so-called batterers treatment, mm. um, it really isn't very effective. Yeah. And so that's an ongoing struggle. And it's not really about money. It's just we're, we're looking for a modality of treatment that works. Uh, treatment works for chemical dependency and for mental health and you can really mm-hmm. recover it, no matter who you are mm-hmm. but there are certain types of like terroristic yes people who, some people are
2: bad seeds they're
1: just not going to respond mm-hmm. to this or they'll fake it domestic violence mm-hmm. oh sure. are. very the
0: manipulative, manipulative. Absolutely. yeah yeah yeah
1: um and so there are very few cohorts of, of people who you know respond to them now domestic violence is sort of divided between two categories it's the 20 80 rule right 20 percent is this awful these these terrible people who keep doing it uh and then the 80 percent are folks who just couldn't you know if they lost it you Mm -hmm. know it was a certain moment and Mm -hmm. then you kind of have to manage that and Mm -hmm. it might not happen again and yet there could be guns in the household Mm -hmm. and so you do have to you know try to calm it down Mm -hmm. and the courts do get involved Uh, so that's another thing too we've distinguished between those two situations and how we respond to it we have a a mandatory arrest for you know when the police show up at the scene they have to arrest somebody it used to be that they'd say well y'all just get along and you know see you later Right. spend
3: the night somewhere else Mm -hmm. yeah
1: and then it would just start again and and the injuries would continue um but there's been abuse of the mandatory arrest where the partners will play you know they'll call the police one after the other to get one and the other arrested oh and so there's some game playing going on yeah um and uh, a number of men have come to uh, these working groups saying that they have been unfairly accused sure And that has actually caused a breakdown of the discussion, where the advocates for victims and survivors, who are almost all women, Mm -hmm. can't even stand to be at the same table with them. And so this is my one failure. Uh, I cannot bring together all of the stakeholders on domestic violence anymore, Mm -hmm. Um, even though everyone ought to have a legitimate shot. Uh, you know expressing their opinion so that's a tough one
2: that that is a tough one because yeah. you're i mean it's not just sort of policy that's is very emotional yeah
1: i mean the 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 victims and survivors they talk about the mad dads as if they're sort of you know painting with a broad brush and then the, and then the, the men they talk about the dv divas you know and so oh, it really sure. gets kind of rude on both <laughs> it's sides it's really
3: hard to continue the discussion yeah when well, I, <laughs> well, I imagine on either that.
2: side if there's you know this a, a sense of a loss of justice you know for the woman who's been a victim mm-hmm. and hasn't had justice and then you know for the men who have been or whoever if someone's been unfairly accused and genuinely they're not just men, genuinely hasn't yeah done that yeah that's it's hard to
1: i mean i do understand from the woman's perspective she you know maybe almost died you know and ended up oh homeless and had to flee and yeah, had to I be in say a the secret wo- location as a woman
2: i'd say the woman probably has the stronger and,
1: and so they don't want to even give the guy a chance <laughs> right to, because it's threatening it's very intimidating
2: oh yeah and still probably ptsd
1: yeah. and all that stuff yeah.
3: and yeah a lot of the perpetrators will make excuses or mm-hmm. yes
1: yeah, so it's hard to tease out what's yeah. really legitimate yes. right? and so that's kind of where i'll back off and say okay sorry uh, so i did introduce legislation in the past this last session on this mandatory arrest question mm. with regard to 16 and 17 year olds adolescents
0: oh right. so if
1: if the the boy you know he's a big kid at this point like hits his mom uh-huh. We've been taking them to jail. That is the last thing you want to do for most adolescents. Mm -hmm. It just makes it worse Mm -hmm. because their brain is developing, and it'll sort of harden into the fight or flight. Oh, sure. There are programs that are much more effective, and so we did get – it was controversial, but Mm -hmm. we got a bill through that provides some exception so that police don't have to arrest the kid. They can take him to a program instead. And so it's more therapeutic than it is uh, punitive. So that's the only exception now that we have for mandatory arrest. The victims and survivors understand that, and they supported the bill. Uh, and the police supported the bill, too. So it was a that was a kind of a major accomplishment in the last year.
2: So it yeah. sounds like you're constantly getting um, feedback. Yeah. I mean, you pass the bill, and then you, you're you still getting feedback on, okay, how is this working and what other yeah. things can work. Yeah,
1: and so. guns is the other one. And yeah. that's, uh, boy... <laughs> Oh, that's not controversial oh. at all, right? No yeah. problem. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, guns and, uh, and the and reproductive rights, yeah. Those are both really easy, yeah? <laughs> no problem. So, and they
3: all pass through your committee?
1: Yeah, well, let's see. Reproductive rights go through... the mm. uh, judiciary or health uh, healthcare? Healthcare, yeah. Healthcare, okay. But guns go through judiciary. So uh, it took me 10 years, uh, but I did get a bill passed that uh, does remove firearms rights from those who are subject to domestic violence protection orders. So mm, okay. the victim goes to the court... And she says, you know, provides the evidence and the court issues a protection order. Mm. And at that point now, under state law, uh, you, do, you have to give up your weapons. If the protection okay. order is lifted, you get your guns back. You get your guns back. If the protection order turns into a conviction, if you're yeah. convicted of domestic violence, you lose your gun rights forever. Right. So that's already been law. Yeah. And it's just that dangerous window.
2: Absolutely. That we
1: wanted to close. Mm-hmm. And it took, and so I collaborated, worked with the NRA. Mm-hmm actually introduced bills on the nra's behalf on other issues or or related to concealed pistol licenses um and then worked with the domestic violence survivors and we we got it done and so you you can't you can't get it done just by introducing a bill you have to bring Mm -hmm. them together and Mm -hmm. and and, uh, so it's been very gratifying to to solve problems like that
3: absolutely and what's the initiative now isn't there an initiative on extreme yeah that's about creating
1: a new type of protection order where a family member can come to the court and uh assert that one of their loved ones is a danger uh, to themselves or others Mm. and that their weapons rights should be suspended there have been too many situations and it usually ends up in suicide or homicide suicide uh, where someone is you know mentally ill And they have access to weapons, and uh, so this would provide an option for families to go to the court, and uh, and and seek this new type of protection. Or a number of other states have that. Uh, So that we'll see what happens on the ballot. I think it should pass. I think it 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 seems to be you know the public seems to support that. Uh, The the other issue which hasn't been addressed with mental illness and guns is about commitment. When you when you commit somebody to an institution. Mm because they are a danger to themselves or others, that's the phrase we use, um, there's a 72-hour waiting period, like a 72-hour hold. Um, and, uh, and then there's like a 14-day commitment to an institution and then 90 days and mm-hmm. 180 days and so mm-hmm. forth. So when you're committed to the institution, you lose your weapons. Sure. But during that first 72-hour hold, you get to keep your weapon. Wow. And I'm thinking, whoa, let's do something about that. Uh, and I think we can get support from both sides mm-hmm. on that, and that's mm-hmm. again I'm going to approach the NRA. Sure. Uh, I work very well with them, uh, and domestic violence yeah. advocates, and yeah. see if we can get that done uh, this coming year.
2: All right, so and that's on tap. That's, we for still have this to do that.
1: Year. We still have to protect the mentally ill from killing themselves yeah. or others, because uh, if they've already been detained for 72 hours, I mean their liberty is they're they're, they're locked up. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the maximum you can lock somebody up without. Violating their civil rights is seventy-two hours. Sure. that's just what we've decided.
0: You right, know. right.
1: But uh, geez, I, I don't know if they should have a gun
2: during that yeah, period. that doesn't sound yeah. like a, the best idea yeah. in the world. I agree. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> Something we agree <laughs> yeah, on regarding yeah. guns. Regarding yeah. guns.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, speaking of, I, I hadn't even thought about asking this, but it occurred to me when you were talking about mentally ill, and so you know the issue of the man in the tree that happened a couple yeah of, and you know it was fun. i was on twitter and it uh-huh. was funny hot huh? but you know this guy was i'm not a am obvi- not a mental health professional he seemed to be have some mental health mm-hmm. issues mm-hmm. and it stunned me that he was now granted i know he was he denuded a tree he was took the branches off um, yeah. and he was throwing like pine cones and pieces of apple and Uh oranges at the police officers. However, it struck me as bizarre that he was taken to jail. Yeah.
1: And I Mm -hmm. thought there's a
2: guy who needs How is jail going to help him? I know.
1: Well, There's... the King County Jail here in Seattle is the second largest mental health facility in the state. Really. Next to Western State Hospital. So, right. do they
2: have mental health?
1: An entire floor.
2: Oh, so okay, so maybe that's not so bad. Because when well, I saw, no, it, I... Oh, it it's is. Not so the they don't belong in jail. It's not a therapeutic That's center. true. Yeah. I'll just answer for you. Yeah. 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 Oh, <laughs> actually you know <laughs> a lot about this. I misunderstood. I thought that there was like a. It was actually like a treatment
1: center. No,
3: it's a warehouse. It's a warehouse. So it's only because they get arrested and sent to Western State, not because they're receiving treatment. They're not receiving treatment there. No.
1: I mean, this is a huge problem. We have made some investments in mental health care uh, recently because of court cases saying we can't be strapping people in crisis to to gurneys in the emergency room. They need to be getting, you know, therapeutic care. And... Uh, it's a huge resource issue. Yeah. we don't have a number, the number of trained professionals to deal with those mental health. It seems like like everybody's on the verge of insanity. And in this, I mean, gosh, I'm just thinking about the, the, <laughs> Think presidential, about the presidential election. election. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, uh. Yeah, the, the mental health issue is ongoing, and that mm-hmm. it, it ultimately is a question of resources. Um, but uh, uh, we've dealt with uh, uh, bills actually as to whether the mentally ill should even be in jails Is that a proper therapeutic setting? Right. Uh, I
2: guess it depends on what they do, you know, say if they're off. Their, like if someone becomes a murderer or a like extreme danger, yeah. then you got to. But if someone's like climbing a tree, right. you know, right. right. I don't know. Well, well every He local, shouldn't be doing that, but it seems like. What, I, what possible good is jail going to do for someone like that? It's gonna, probably well, going to do harm. There's the
3: whole issue of um, restorative justice mm-hmm. and um, what's the, therapeutic jurisprudence and things like that. Right. But I don't know. Th- maybe you can discuss that. I don't know how we've addressed it as a state in, mm-hmm. um, and if other states are far, further along in or the We process. have mental health courts. Right. Not, oh, but right. not, everywhere, not right? everywhere. King County does. Yeah,
1: some of the larger jurisdictions and there's actually a proposal to make Mental health courts mandatory. I don't think we should do that so much because the locals wouldn't have the resources. Mm -hmm. But they can raise local money. Uh, Mm -hmm. They're authorized to add a point one to the sales tax. That Mm -hmm. could be dedicated. And King County's done that. Mm -hmm. A number of counties have done that. but uh, you know I, really, mental health is is a growing problem, yeah, um, and uh, it's just something that's going to be unfortunately it's going to be perpetual. I guess the the modern it's hard to cope with the modern world, you know so
3: Oh sure, well, are, you uh, know what's you interesting. Know. so here's a, a confession. I like old Barney Miller
2: reruns. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't, know they, I didn't know they still did reruns. Yes. So
3: I would watch them. <laughs> so my father was a police officer in uh. Philadelphia in the seventies. So, and if you were on Facebook, you would have seen my picture of my sixth grade class trip with Mayor Rizzo. Oh, so very Law and Order. Oh yeah, no he was a famous old guy, wasn't he? Mayor. Yeah. yeah some had better feelings than others, um, but. I watch this show, and I say, my gosh, nothing has really changed. Mm. They're talking about guns. They're talking about um, civil rights. They're talking about race issues. And we're still there.
1: So here is the big issue this year, in the the last couple of years, really, ever since Ferguson. And it's not ever since, but that's the one that really raised national attention.
3: Mm
0: -hmm.
1: We've had law enforcement who have shot and killed people who are not armed. Mm. Uh, and uh, everyone's blaming the police, mm. uh, and many of the victims are you know young men of color, mm-hmm. and it's much more complicated than that. So we got a bill through this last legislative session to create a task force, uh, an official state legislative task force. This isn't my sort of informally sending an email out, but this is you know where the speaker and the senate president, everybody's you know uh, appointing people. Mm. And I believe I'll be the chair, the co-chair of this, on police excessive use of force. Mm-hmm. And uh, we will then get to hear. And believe me, the people sitting around the table are not going to like each other. Right. But they, this is kind of what I, I guess I'll say I'm good at. it. I'll mediate and moderate the conversation so that we get to listen to police and how difficult their jobs are. Mm-hmm. Where they're out there and everybody else is armed. Mm-hmm. So what are they going to do? You know, mm-hmm. they need to protect themselves and protect the public. And then we will hear from those sort of underrepresented or vulnerable communities mm-hmm. about how they feel embattled and not represented and shot at. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be a tough conversation. Uh, but a necessary it, one. Very, very important. Especially uh, in
2: that kind of, there's so much heat on both sides yeah. and you need more light. And exactly. People it's, it's almost like a, and...
1: a truth and reconciliation process. Yeah, yeah. Sounds kind of, you know, a little earthy crunchy there, but... <laughs> But um, we need to hear from folks, again, in a respectful manner. Yeah. And as long as it takes, let's see what we can come up with. And I think it, it gets down to training. We're going to need to train yeah. law enforcement better uh, in terms of their biases that they might not even be aware of. Mm-hmm. Training in weapons use, mm-hmm. training in de-escalation. A lot of it is about mental illness again. Sure. So in Pasco, for instance, a mentally ill man, oh, a Latino yes. man, was throwing rocks. Yes. And he was shot dead, like a yeah. lot of shots at him. And the community's still outraged, and they're trying to hold the police officer accountable and that 's another issue. The standard in the law is so high that no police officer can really be held accountable because malice is required, oh, okay. and you can't really prove malice when it's that sort of instant situation you know so uh, that's another possible discussion is should we change the standard so that a police officer really acting outside of the norm can be held accountable um, and for for murder, you know really. Mm-hmm. Uh, our state is very unusual compared to the other states. So that's going to be a, a high-stakes uh, task force, uh, and, uh, but I'm looking forward to convening that.
3: I, was, I actually i, I heard um, something about this last session um, because of a work group I'm part of, a racial equity mm-hmm. group that I'm a part of. Um, and I was surprised that a state like Washington would be almost an outlier. Yeah. Um, it, I, how did that happen?
1: Well, as back in the '80s, there was a deal made,
3: oh, not very 80s. public,
1: um, where the standard for uh, convicting a, uh, a police officer for excessive use of force, uh, w- some language was stuck in there about malice. Um, the, the normal standard is uh, good faith—that the, the law enforcement officer mm. in good faith,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, took shots and didn't thought he was in danger or thought others were in danger. But to add the element of malice, it makes it impossible to uh, reach a conviction. And so I don't know the inside story because I wasn't there back in 1986, um, but the uh, language was stuck in there, and uh, and there's some effort to see if that could be removed. And the prosecutors uh, agree that that word should be removed. What uh, about,
2: Deb, you had feedback from police organizations? Well, again,
1: police are feeling like everybody's pointing at them, and everyone right. says they're the problem, and they're not. It's That's... What a hard job. I mean, that. Yeah. seriously, to go out there and you don't know if you're going to come back alive, alive. at the end of the day. So I really respect the hard work they do. Uh, they had a, the uh, sheriffs and police chiefs recently had last week had a force science training down mm. in Tacoma, an all day seminar on, you know, what do you do in this situation, in that situation, and, and, and about weapons and about how do you talk somebody down and, and where do you shoot. So, for instance, uh, oh, do you shoot to kill? Do you right. shoot to disable? Right. Uh, a, lots of questions there. So this is a this is an ongoing uh, ongoing debate, and uh, I'm I'm looking forward to when this.
2: has the task force? It
1: has not met been yet? officially uh, uh, named yet. Okay. Uh, it should have been by now, uh, but we're supposed to have our first meeting before uh, July of this year.
2: Okay. So, oh. yeah. and that'll be like that. everybody.
1: Everybody around the table. the table. Oh, boy, you name it. I mean, it's all God's children when it comes to yeah, oh, yeah. those who are concerned about excessive use of force and those who are concerned about public safety, uh, all of the various uh, ethnic groups mm-hmm. and uh, and the players in the justice system. And sure. So it's going to be kind of hard to manage. I think like 40 different Yeah, I was thinking entities. about how do you yeah. – so
2: when you approach, you know, because this is a um, – it's not only a complex topic, but, of course, there's a lot of public – Scrutiny. Mm-hmm. So, how would you? Is that another? Do you go around the table and let people?
1: So we first start with introductions. Introductions. Yeah. Just you know, you can give little speeches, and yeah. that, that takes an entire meeting. Sure. And then the next meeting, it gets pretty tense, uh-huh. where people are venting. Yeah. Uh, and I will. People raise their hands, and I call on them. Yeah. And i do it in such a way that, you know, if there's a whole bunch of hands, I'll say, okay, I'm going to get to you, don't worry, you know. Right, right. And I think there's a sense of fairness. And uh, by the third meeting, we really start to get to the issues. And in uh, uh, the fourth meeting, again, this sort of to-do list turns into a bill. And uh, so I've had enough experience. Um, really,
2: by the fourth meeting, yeah, you say, yeah. wow. I mean, it
1: really depends. So I, I'm convening another group on the vesting of land use rights connected to permitting oh, whatever that means right oh my gosh <laughs> that's sounds... about to fall asleep boy talk about people who hate each other so oh, yes land use this is oh, about yes. developers yeah. we are in the most booming economy in all over north america and so there's building going on everywhere and developers have land and they're developing you know shopping centers and mm-hmm. condo complexes and the environmental community is very concerned about you know damage to critical areas and mm-hmm. water resources and, so, and the local communities don't want that thing built in their backyard mm-hmm. and the cities and the counties want certainty in the law. and so like mm-hmm. again, everybody hates each other. Oh yeah so I have sat them down and as we're in our second year of this process to come up with rules for when you can do what where basically you yeah. know, what can a developer do and what can a developer not do and when does the community have a voice and when do the environmental controls come into place? And so we're putting together a very complex statutory proposal. And that. this
2: is through the judiciary? This is in the
1: Judiciary Committee. Oh, interesting. Yeah, okay. yeah. Wow, was, you I, really
2: cover the waterfront of issues. I volunteered
1: for that one. Oh,
2: my goodness. And
1: volunteered also to fix the wage garnishment laws as well, where everybody hated each other. The collection agencies oh, and right. the debtors yeah, yeah. and the judges and the, the small businesses. Uh, but we solved that one. We really we got a lot of the uh, uh, bureaucracy out of it, and uh, the, the debtors get to keep a little bit more of their you know, earnings to live, on, to live and on, the collection agencies have a better business model, uh, and the businesses aren't holding on to this bunch of money anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, we really solved mm-hmm. that one. But again, we had to serve food at some of these meetings to yes. lubri- lubricate the conversation. Absolutely, Seriously, I mean, it really They're is all about human beings. establishing relationships. Yeah, absolutely. So, and the bottom line is partisanship doesn't work in the legislature if we're trying to govern. Mm-hmm. Partisanship is fine in the election, right? Yes. So fine, you know. I'm a Democrat, and you're a Republican, or whatever, and we have our different platforms. Yeah. Although, frankly, I even when out on the campaign trail, it's about. Problem solving. Yeah, That's what the people want, yeah. you know? And so I'm just not partisan. It just feels icky. It just yeah. like, You don't want someone saying, you, all of you, you know, sort of mm-hmm. painting with a broad brush. Mm-hmm. It, it really is, I mean, I, I want to make a difference, make a positive mm-hmm. difference. And help to build community, to sort of common interests, mm-hmm. rather than have people stuck in their positions and knocking heads, you know? So, I don't know, maybe I'm a different kind of model. I, I just don't like partisanship. Um, and that's, it seems to work for me.
2: Yeah, I think yeah. that's reflective of... You know, people, especially with all the baggage of the last couple decades, um, certainly this presidential election. And this is what's going on now. Yeah, I don't know
1: uh, if you call it partisan. It's just personal. It, it, well, it's bizarre. It's just full of hatred, you know. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's weird.
2: It's very weird. Yeah. It's, it's hard to right. make head or tail of it. But, I th- yeah, I think people, at least normal people, kind of, they're sick of... That. And you know what? And they can
1: see so, through it. So the nor- It's funny you say normal people, because I don't hang around normal people in the, in the legislature. And maybe you don't even hang around normal people, too. No, or, you probably know. not. But when I go in the neighborhoods I'm, and I'm, I'm saying hi to people, you know, the, the voters, the constituents... That's normal people. Mm-hmm. They care about their grandkids. They care about there's no there's no sidewalk there. We need the kids to be yes. safe going to school. The traffic is terrible mm-hmm, or, you know, right. cost of living.
3: They care about four oh five. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I live in the forty fifth. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> but this normal stuff sort of reaffirms my faith in humanity. That yes. Most people are out there are normal, you know. Yes. And so you watch TV, uh, you, know, you think everybody's crazy. Mm-hmm. And so uh, this is really about addressing issues that matter to normal people. Mm-hmm. And uh, little things like wage garnishment. Who thinks about that? Right. But wages are being garnished all over the place, and sure. we needed to fix the system. To fix it. Domestic violence is going on all over the place, mm-hmm. and we needed to fix the system. Mm-hmm. Uh, DUIs, people are dying, mm-hmm. and we need to fix it. So uh, it's, just, it's gratifying to me to, to work on those issues and literally solve problems and bring people together at the same time.
2: That's awesome. Well, we could stay and talk forever, but I think we should we wrap this up for now. However, uh, perhaps once session starts, or maybe even we can even do a little pre-session. Yeah,
3: well, thing. we should do a pre-session where we visit with the folks we've Legislators. interviewed. Legislators, yeah. And do follow up. Do a follow up on how your task force is going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
2: We travel to the capital. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: We'll go from everything from from uh, excessive use of force to landowner, you know, developers' <laughs> yes. use of vesting of land use rights, you know, so.
3: Oh, um, yeah. Maybe we'll know the outcome of a presidential election Yeah. at that point.
2: Oh, mm. that's right. Yeah. Wow. I, it'll, yeah. It's hard for me to imagine, like, this it's presidential election ever ending. <laughs> I know. I feel like it's gone on forever, and I just feel like
1: yeah. this
3: is going to go on forever. Yeah. Well, then we have the next round of primaries to we have to get ready for iowa in uh oh that's
1: 2018 right. or whatever yeah, 2020 <laughs> that's right yeah, yeah. yeah. everyone will Gosh. hit
2: the ground running yeah well representative goodman thank you very much thank this is really yeah. uh fascinating yeah this is fun i yeah. appreciate it thanks absolutely yeah. thanks randy my pleasure yeah and we'll uh always. thank you to our tens of <laughs> ones or hundreds of <laughs> listeners and uh we'll talk to you guys next time bye-bye
1: Policy Today is a production of the Washington Research Council dedicated to providing timely, credible research and policy analysis supporting economic vitality and private sector job creation. For more information, go to researchcouncil.org.